we have Janet and Dana. Hey. Here we go. Hey. All right. Um, well, I know Jeffrey at KCLV TV has a question. So Jeffrey, I will go ahead and call on you for the first one. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Thank you both for joining us today. Uh, I had a blast watching this. It was just so much fun. And, uh, you know, Dana, the original screenplay took less than two weeks to write. How long did your adaptation take? <laughs> a lot longer. There's been more time and effort has been put into this these read every one of these reads has taken more time and effort than the actual movie <laughs> I, I guarantee you <laughs> but uh but i uh, you know the the thing they say about plan the plan nine's uh claim to fame is that it's the worst movie ever made which is far from true because uh, the biggest crime a movie can commit is to be boring, and and Plan Nine is is never boring. Uh, not only is it never boring, it's it's bad in consistently different ways up <laughs> until the last frame. <laughs> like, like here's a bad movie that's bad the same way all the way through. Uh, Battlefield Earth. Uh, that movie you don't you know it's bad and then it's the same but plan nine is like the rick it's like yeah. a yeah it's beautiful it's a masterpiece i mean it is a it masterpiece really is. of being totally absurd and wrong <laughs> so many ways. that's really well put and so much there's so much heart in it he loved it so much ed wood loved that movie you can feel his love in every frame even as it is totally bewildering you that is true <laughs> and, yeah. and, and and that's the that's the um that's what sets ed wood's work apart from say uh al adamson's work or someone like that where there's uh i i feel that there's a lot less cynicism in ed wood's work and a lot more uh genuine affection and and the actual story of the 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 the, the premise of plan nine it, it's not a bad premise. <laughs> it, it, it goes downhill from there. <laughs> but but I, get, I get the idea. I, I can see that working. <laughs> you connect the red string uh, on, on the pictures <laughs> yeah. Yeah, on the bulletin board that is the plot of the movie. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Thank you. Anyway. I have a question from Sean Kernan, who's writing for Regional Media. A question for both of you. What instructions did you give to Lorraine Newman regarding her narrator character? Oh, she was so great. None. I didn't need to. Uh, yeah. Lorraine, Lorraine Newman, I, I think I speak for Janet as well. Lorraine Newman is one of those people that I can't believe I'm friends with because I came of age watching Lorraine Newman on on SNL and I you know being in high school during the first cast of SNL no longer speaking for me <laughs> true right. yeah I'm uh, I, I'm like a mighty comedy tree <laughs> seeing the ages come and go two big things were going on the original cast of SNL and a little thing we like to call the Bronze Age. 
<laughs> and but uh, yeah, she was like in the Beatles to me, you know. It was like that was as much as you could get in terms of being a comedy star. And yeah. uh, and and then I got to be her friend years later. And not only is she a uh, you know brilliant comedian and an actress, but she's a monster movie nerd. Like she knows Plan Nine word for word anyway. So uh, she was one of those people. Uh, I. I didn't have to say a damn thing. I knew she would nail it. And she she did it great. Uh, what she did, we've had other narrators. Ron Lynch also uh, narrates the show sometimes when we do it live. And um, Lorraine made a great choice with being really newscaster flat. I thought it was great. Deadpan. Deadpan. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Gorgeous. Thank you. Okay, John from Hollywood Soapbox, go ahead and ask a question. Thank you for the time today. Um, I'm just curious. This is about fighting a dinosaur, so I'll ask Dana. <laughs> um, that was my second question. My first one is, um, I'm curious. If, Were they fast? Uh, Go ahead. <laughs> the excitement, the excitement you have um, um, for being part of this film festival. Um, it's a, you know, it's also interesting that it'll be presented on TV not like live in person. What, how does that kind of change the, the, the enjoyment of this? But it's also paired with the movie, which is nice as well, too. So could you talk about that? Yeah, go, Janet. Oh, yeah. I mean, for me, the... I, you know, no one in the last year has has felt great about talking about silver linings uh, with a pandemic, although arguably that's kind of all we've had for a year. So we also have to be able to talk about those silver linings, I think, to get through. But, um, you know, there are so many people who are going to have access to this that wouldn't be able to see it at uh, a film festival proper, including, you know, family members I have all over and, and friends. And so... Um, so in that way, it is a it's a total gift, uh, and we also you know the fact that it's going to be shown not on the internet uh, exclusively means that mem members of my family who don't know how to get onto the internet they understand yeah. they know what TCM is they are losing their minds with excitement and and so it is if for us it's a way of reaching more people so that's you know that's 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 a, a huge upside to be honest at least from my perspective. Yeah. Now, Dana, you don't know what TV is because you watch <laughs> yeah. dinosaurs. Yeah, we're on uh, we're on Dumont, and uh, <laughs> my family is also losing its mind, but not with excitement, and they're unaware of the show. Um, uh, yeah, no, the 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 fact that it's on TV, I mean, nothing beats the live performance. I mean, to to, to just from from an actor's point of view, just to feel the audience, but. When we when we did as Janice said, when we did decide to do this for Sketchfest as Zoom, we talked about well, how do we take the limits of Zoom and turn them to our advantage? And so, what we got with this production of it was wholly different than the live show, and uh, especially with uh, with you know, the addition of what Mike Carano did with the miniature effects and what Eben did with the music, it, it really, it's, it's what I love about it is it's its own thing. I don't know how to describe what it is, um, but it works. And like Plan 9, it it's funny all the way through. And the fact that it's on TV and paired with the actual movie is actually, for me, it's a big deal. Like, yeah. it's one of those things like, yeah, I, you know, 
I made this, I did this and it's on TV. Uh, that's always the, you know, for people that are, that grow up fans of that stuff, uh, like I did, um, it's, uh, it, it's, I get, I get a much bigger kick out of this than, than, uh, than, you know, other stuff. Like, um, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm very happily in a niche. <laughs> <laughs> it's also, I mean, it's living, we being able to have this recording now and and knowing that it's being shown again in this amazing context um i mean this is a very specific time in our history and being able to see gary anthony williams with his little you know earbuds yeah, yeah, yeah. in his house you know being a character is it's just you that's not something that we really would have seen a couple of years ago even and so i think there's something kind of to me something sort of precious about having locked in this moment in time of this is where this is how we all had to do it and and it was great and it worked and it's still super weird because you can fully tell that david keckner's in his kitchen there's something <laughs> folksy about that yeah. that i feel like ed wood would have been like bravo you yeah, do it exactly. whatever way you can you know i don't i don't know who it is but i guarantee you at least one person is not wearing pants <laughs> And, uh, at least one at person. Least one. At least one person. And uh, here's the only silver lining that I have from the pandemic is, you know, whenever you're having an argument with your partner or your boyfriend, your girlfriend, husband, wife, and you're sure you're right, and you're going in, just remember how excited you were when you said Happy New Year. December 31st, 2019. <laughs> Boy, we just thought 2020 was Oh, here it is, baby. This is going to be great. And it's just important to remember that you don't always have all the facts and you can be wrong. Flagrantly, <laughs> flagrantly wrong. <laughs> That's right. Thank you. Okay, Nick from Scene Stealers, go ahead and ask your question. Dana, you've talked quite a bit about over the years about your relationship and friendship with uh, Myla Nurmi, who was Vampira. Yeah. It, it, do you see this live read as being a bit of an homage to her? And also, how do you homage in a reading someone whose character is mute? <laughs> <laughs> that's a great. That's a great question. And I love give to her say, a line. I like, yeah, yeah. First, give her a line. Uh, I, I like your, admire your vinyl collection. Um, yeah, no, uh, uh, I always wanted the vampire character in, in the, sh in the live show because she's such an intrinsic part of the movie, even though she doesn't have any lines. She did have lines in the script. Mila didn't want them. <laughs> <laughs> Milo was not a fan of the script, <laughs> but was a fan of money. Um, uh, so she didn't want them. And then as we did the show and I found a way to put Mila into the, uh, into the, um, uh, put Vampira into the show. And, and then it just grows. And it's one of those things where you do it once and you get an idea and you try it and you get it better. Uh, Catherine Hoggison, who plays, uh, Vampira in this production uh, is is 
has a great look and she's very uh she's very gifted uh you know in terms of the way she evokes uh what Mila did and uh I was I was really happy uh to do it that way but um uh uh I and I think that my I think that Mila I think that Mila would have uh, would have liked it and approved of it. Um, uh, she, the the just a weird story. Uh, one of my when uh, in the late '90s I took Mila to see Plan Nine at the Cinerama Dome uh, here in Los Angeles at a midnight show on Halloween, and no one knew that she was, you know, she's this old lady. And we're sitting there and it was pretty packed. And when uh, uh, Vampira came on screen, the place erupted. And she said, uh, oh, there she is, which I thought was uh, mm. sweet. And then she, you could That's feel good. her, uh, yeah, and you could feel her, uh, feel her sort of beaming a little bit. It was a really sweet moment. Thank you. Uh, Kimberly from Journeys in Classic Film, go ahead and ask your question. I would love to hear both of you talk about your history with the film, with Ed Wood, just where you, how you came to it. This is neither the time nor the place. <laughs> <laughs> Could we get a more appropriate question, please? Janet, why don't you say? Oh, I mean, I definitely saw uh, it, it. I saw it at a midnight screening, um, probably in San Francisco in my teens. Um, and was also, you know, a Mystery Science Theater 3000 geek um, in its early days and, and all through its, its life. And, uh, and, you know, just again, always sort of, I just, I just, it's just, it's just adorable. And I really don't mean that in a condescending way. It's just, a, it's adorable to me uh, in that I adore it. Uh, and so when Dana started talking about doing this, I lost my mind. I was so, so excited. And because, you know, having been friends with Dana for many, many years and, and worked with him um, in various capacities, I knew whatever he was going to do with it would be, would make it even better. Uh, and, and so, you know, reading that, I read, and, and, and Dana's right, you know, he was joking about how long it's taken to work on it versus the two, the two weeks that it took to write, uh, for Ed Wood to write it. But he, there's something different every time we've done this live, yes, whenever he, whenever absolutely. he distributes the scripts, it's not just that we play around with casting, uh, every time, but also there's new jokes, there's stuff he pulls out cause he's tired of it. I mean, he's, you know, it's an evolving production and even if it stayed the same, the way that the performers who all love each other make each other laugh would be still just a totally rich playtime for all of us. But the fact that on top of that, there's new stuff in the script that surprises you. Um, it's I've never I've never been able to keep a straight face when we do the show. And I'm so grateful that that's not an important component to, to Dana, because when we do it live, I'm, I just am crying with laughter yeah. and anything that I'm not saying, I'm just laughing at everybody else so hard. Yeah. It's like, it's like Rocky horror. I think in that regard, uh, you know, it just, there's just something, there's something really magical about it. And Janet is also uh, the only person I know on God's earth that has a Mona McKinnon impression who played <laughs> the actress who plays Paula Trent. <laughs> you wouldn't think it was a character, but, by golly, she nailed it. Um, 
Oddly, the person that I discovered Plan 9 through is in the cast of this show. I was a young comedian, and I grew up a monster movie guy and reading a magazine called Famous Monsters of Filmland starting when I was about 12 or 13. And I was, I was, very, well, I was very aware of Plan 9. I had never seen it. I knew about Vampira. My mother used to reference Vampira a lot, which is strange. Uh, but I'd never seen it. I was a, I moved to Boston and I was a, starting out as a comedian and I was friends with Bobcat Goldthwait and Bobcat and his uh, friend, Tom Kenny, who has, who has done the show and you may know is the voice of SpongeBob now. Uh, they were like, oh my God, you have to see Plan 9. You have to see Plan 9. And uh, back then we had video cassettes <laughs> and, uh, and I watched the movie and I, my head exploded. Like, and, and to watch it for the first time with, with Tom Kenny and Bob Goldthwaite is a, is a real gift. And a guy named Dan Spencer is a real gift. And, uh, and I, I got it instantly. Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's hilariously funny and it's all the stuff that we love. And it's, you know, it's, it's the event horizon of nerd culture and, um, and, uh, <laughs> And it's great. And after, and Bobcat, uh, you know, Bobcat has a tattoo of Ed Wood on, on his arm. Because on, I said it was, I was going to say bicep, but let's be honest. <laughs> it's on his arm. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm not one of those comedians that feels the need to take off my shirt for a punchline. Uh, and neither is Bob. And, uh, and, you know, and 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 we just we're we're that we're that passionate of, uh, about this stuff, and uh, and and I love and I love the fact that he's he's in the show. You know, it's a, it's a bit yeah, it's like it's like for a bit you know for a, a band that's really into the Beatles, and you're in a band, and it sort of is a through line in your life. Uh, it's not dissimilar. Thank you. Uh, Jeffrey from KCLV, go ahead and oh, I'm sorry, Bob, Bob. at ABC Radio. Bob, in there first. Yeah. Bob, Bob, I've been really? seeing Bob's hand. I, know, I keep putting Bob. Bob, Bob, Bob. And ABC Bob. is ABC is owned by Disney, and if you want to flick, if yeah. you want to thumb your nose, uh, yeah. don't mess with that. <laughs> and, and now they own Fox. You know, everybody's. Owned I know. <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah, they're it's the crazy. 51st crazy. star on the flag. That's right. <laughs> Speaking of crazy, Bobcat's zany portrayal, you know, to me, shades of the Keystone Cops, you know, his outfit yeah. and everything. And <laughs> the hat. <laughs> like, yeah, I the wasn't hat. expecting the hat. And my question, question is, uh, were the actors responsible kind of for their own outfits and tailoring their, their own looks? 100%. 100%. And, okay. And the one that really, uh, th oh, there's one thing I want to say about Bob, well, uh, Maria Bamford really <laughs> went to town in a way that, and, and again, we're all in our homes. So we're, I'm just like, bring, you know, bring your instrument, bring what you want to yeah. do. Maria Bamford just uh, above and above and beyond. So yeah. funny. Oh my God, Maria. If you look, <laughs> I have a very uh, 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 interesting uh, side story. Uh, I have a friend who has a weird business. He goes to flea markets and buys people's old photo albums. 
and goes through them and occasionally finds really amazing stuff. Found like an old photograph that somebody took of Charles Lindbergh or a waitress in New York who served Bella Lugosi and his son and had a photo with him or Boris Karloff walking through LAX in 1966. He just finds these things because he goes to flea markets. He found a woman in Pasadena was in an acting class in the 50s and everybody in the acting class signed their eight by 10 to her. And one of the people in her acting class was Ed Wood. And on the back of the photo is his resume before plan nine and everything you need to know is there. It's like characters played, you know, cowboy, Indian chief, young sweater girl. Like, you know, (laughs) it's all, all of Ed's passions are on full display. And I bought it from him uh, for a sum of money. I won't let you, I won't divulge. But when, when, when Bob did get his Ed Wood tattoo, it's the same images of the photo. Ugh. I gave it to him. I said, like, I can't keep this. If you have his face tattooed on your body, I feel awful having it. We're, you know, and, and, and he took it. It was, it was and, it's behind him on his wall. So when you watch Plan 9, you look behind him. That's that's Ed Wood's actual 8x10 signed by Ed Wood on his wall. Oh, wow. So good. Yeah. And Deborah made her, she made a lot of her costume. Like she did, she made her stewardess cap out of like construction paper or something. There's a lot yeah. of creativity happening behind the scenes that, uh, that one, we didn't anticipate. One thing you never hear about Deborah Baker Jr. is, she kind of phoned it in. Never. <laughs> Never. Yeah. Incapable. She's, like, she's the James Brown of sketch comedy. It's like, <laughs> just like, nope. She's going to sweat Ugh. through the cape. That's how it goes. Love it. Yeah. She's all in. She's all in all the time. In the chat here from Sean Kernan. Um, question for either of you. Did you know that Paul F. Tompkins was coming with props and costume changes? So similar. Yeah. Sean, I'm seriously worried about you. I mean, I know you and I know your face moves more than that. So I'm just going to say good luck with whatever it is that's going on. Congratulations Um, on your ventriloquism career. (laughs) That's right. That's right. Uh, uh, No, no. Yeah. Once again, well, let me say this too, again, about both Paul and Deborah and many of the other people in the cast, you sort of don't know, but you you're not shocked when Paul of Tompkins pulls out all the stops. I mean, he, you know, that's not like out of character for him. So I think having done, I've done a ton of streaming stuff with him over the last year. And, uh, you know, he's always, he's always present and then some, so, you know, uh, yeah, Bob Odenkirk too, uh, who, uh, (laughs) very small, but he was very small, just a pencil mustache, but, but, but it, it was perfect. Like the way he, he, he made a really clear choice that was not the normal. Uh, he really created something unique and, uh, th- th- and that's the beauty of it. When Janet and I are very lucky and that our friends are, 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 um, really talented and, and in Bob's case, can also beat up hoods on a bus. Um, <laughs> we now know. <laughs> we now know. Who knew? Um, uh, and uh, so we, you know, it's like I don't know what Paul's going to do, but I know it's going to be great. 
and and it's almost like I don't want to know. I want to see it when it happens. I don't know what Bob or Deborah are going to do, but I know it'll be great. I'll see it when it ha- when it happens. I burst out laughing when I saw Bobcat in that in oh, that hat. So <laughs> good. Wasn't expecting. Thank you. Okay, now to Jeffrey at KCLV. Uh, Daniel, I just want to say the first time I saw um, Plan 9 from Outer Space, it was in pieces in a documentary when I was 16 in 1982 called It Came from Hollywood. Oh, and sure. Yeah, yeah. I know that. That's my yeah. first experience with it. But I want to ask you about uh, pop culture because, you know, among comedians, because in Jerry Seinfeld, in the famous Chinese restaurant episode, they were yeah. going to see Plan 9 from Outer yeah. Space. <laughs> I didn't know because your association with the show and with him, did, was that something discussed a lot about Plan 9? No, I I did not get Plan 9 to Seinfeld, but I do take credit for the uh, another pop culture icon making it to Seinfeld, which is the Buddy Rich tape. Um, uh, <laughs> that can be that can be traced to me. Uh, Plan 9, no. Plan 9 probably came from Larry David because, you know, in New York in the 80s, they did run it. I mean, it was one of those things. It was uh, in the in the in the 70s and 80s. There were certain things that you would do in New York late at night. You might go. Go see Brother Theodore, or you might go see uh, Midnight Showing of Plan Nine, or uh, uh, you know, uh, you're in town. You know, there are all these things that uh, that were like the the hipster, the the hipster uh, late night uh, activity in New York. Thank you. But I did. Okay. Yes, I will f- strongly take credit for the Buddy Rich tape. <laughs> uh, Nick from Scene Stealers, go ahead and ask your question. Um, the, the thing that makes doing a Zoom read different than doing, say, one live in theater is that you can have, like, a score and you can have all of these miniature sets. Like, how did you reach out to Mike Carano and Evan Schletter to come up with these and, like, what directions did you give them? Uh, well, Eb- Eben uh, has always done the show. Uh, Eben has done the live show. He works with uh, um, again, and I and I, you know, the the beautiful thing about S- Sketchfest is one, it, it's it's all of your friends, but in addition to all of your friends, there's always amazing new things that you know. The, the other 11 months of the year, Janet is, as she can tell you, looking at tapes and, you know, f- finding new talent and, or if not new talent, but, uh, you know, exposing, uh, exposing new talent. And, um, but then there's always, you, you know, the, the, uh, the people that you have known. And so Eben, I think Eben has scored everything I've ever done. Um, uh, Janet and I did a show together called Stand Against Evil, and Eben scored that. Uh, I, I don't know of a thing that I've done that Eben hasn't scored, and um, and he does it live, uh, uh when we do it in, in the theater. So, so he was uh, a given. Mike Carano, uh, I've known forever, he was always uh, he worked for the improv. I don't know in what capacity, but I, but I, he was a photographer on staff. I think he managed one of the clubs. For He's a while. also an attorney. Like he is a <laughs> full on attorney. 
Many people don't know this about Evan yeah. Schletter. Any, he is a oh yes, Evan Schletter is an attorney. Yes, Evan Schletter is an attorney. Yeah. I was like, God, please don't, uh, please don't let Mike Carano be an attorney. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Why is there even court? Um, <laughs> uh, but, but Mike Carano is uh, yes, Evan Schletter Esquire is is yeah. is uh, yeah. Um, and Mike Carano is a, a, a truly unique talent and a gadfly and if, if one of the best follows on instagram like it'll just be like i'll just be on instagram and it's a tuesday afternoon and i look on and and, and mike is in is in death valley filming he he found a coyote skeleton <laughs> and, and he has a and he has a copy of captain kirk's chair and and he's putting the coyote skeleton on it. <laughs> like he's, just, he's a true artist. And um, and uh, he does these little models on Instagram thing. And I and I and I I, I literally just said, would you would you ever want to when, when we decided to do it on Zoom? I said, would, do you want to uh, come up with something? And, and he. It, it really was one of those things where like I thought he would do 5% and he brought in 90%. It was like, you know, not only do we need this, but if we film it a black and white on this filter, everything will be the, like, he really, we didn't know how much we needed him. Yeah. Put it that way. Yeah. And I would say too, my memory of, uh, of you asking him was like, if there's a way I could have gotten the email that he was in faster than the email in which you posited asking him like that's <laughs> It was like I could ask Mike. He's in. Like, he didn't even finish typing. Yeah. He was. He knew. Yeah. I mean, he just immediately had all of these ideas, and it was. It was amazing. Yeah, he's he. Mike Carano, C A R A N O. Uh, follow him. It's. Um, uh, yeah, I just want a camera crew following him around all the time. <laughs> it's, it's, it's that great. All right, we have time for probably two more questions. So I wanna to turn to Bob first to make sure I haven't been ignoring him. Oh, thank you, thank you. And uh, great chatting with you guys, Janet and Dana. You guys thanks, are terrific. Bob. Oh, thanks I for taking a... the time, y'all. Oh, sure. Now your production values seem a bit stepped up from the original movie. I, you know, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Again. Perhaps a, perhaps a similar budget, but I'm curious yeah. what uh, effects were the hardest and what were the easiest to pull off? Um, the, the for well, uh, for me, and then I'll let Janice. Uh, from from all of the miniature stuff uh, was was Mike, and 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 again, everything came out so much better than it had any right to come out. Um, for me, it was m working the green screen zoom filter, hmm. but my backgrounds are photos of Mike's miniatures. You know, it's that like Mike sent out to everybody is like, we just let you do some things. I built a miniature of the cemetery. I've taken some photos of it. If you want to use it for your background, it's like, oh, okay. <laughs> you know, it's like, he was really like Q in the Bond movie. Now this here you know, <laughs> looks like an ordinary sunscreen. <laughs> yeah, it was like, he really, uh, uh, but, but that was the thing was it was mastering the, the technical thing but Janet and I talked about it beforehand like 
we wanted to turn the limits of Zoom into benefits. We wanted, you yeah. know, what, what's the reason, what is the reason to do this? And it was that. Yeah. And our, our, it was edited uh, by our uh, festival director, Jay Wurzler, who is like sort of administratively a god for SF Sketchfest because we are this very small organization. And he um, has shown that he's, he's kind of the Mike Carano of Sketchfest in that he has yet to be asked, something has yet to be asked of him that he can't figure out or do already. And he really became he was he already had sort of some experience uh editing and live editing and stuff with with zoom and with regular sort of cinematic techniques and he really dove in and was figuring out like what all was possible for us on the editing side and the production side and um and and so he really deserves all of the kind of piecing it all together um and choosing you know which 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 shots to use and close-ups versus you know uh group shots um but what seems funny to me now is that there was actually a point at which like i was worried that my partners wouldn't want us to turn it into black and white and now i feel like that was the stupidest thing for me to be worried about like of course it, they were going to be because dana and i were like we should probably i mean we should do it in black and white, right? Right. But I think at the time there was a sense of like, well, we're already going to be removed because it's Zoom and we're used to doing it live. And when it's live, of course, it's in the full color in which we all see with our eyes, unless we're colorblind. Uh, and so there was there was this sort of shifting moment of like, I was like, well, let me just make sure that it won't feel too static to my partners, because again, we're also live presenters. And so right. we wanted people to still feel engaged. And and I, I it was kind of a tentative email. I was like, well, Dana and I, and now hear me out, think that we should probably, and again, it was like, before I could even finish the email, they wrote back and were like, of course we should do it in black and white. But there was a moment where maybe we wouldn't have, and that would have been such a mistake, you know? Yeah. There's a, there's a interesting story that uh, Scott Alexander, who co-wrote the movie Ed Wood, uh, told me that they were doing Martin Landau's makeup test at Rick Baker's studio <clears throat> to make him look like Bela Lugosi and they were looking at it and Tim Burton was like it just there's something about it that doesn't look right and I can't put my finger on what it is and then he just turned the color off on the monitor and it went to black and white and he goes oh now it looks great and that's when they decided that Ed Wood should would be in black and white. It was not originally intended to be in black and white. And it was literally like these people, you don't Bella Lugosi looks weird in color. Yeah. You know, yeah. and so to so when it's a stage show, of course it's in color, you're in the world. But when it's presented on video, it 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 uh again it was like turning Zoom into a benefit. Okay, we are right up against time here, but Kimberly at Journeys in Classic Film, I want to make sure you get your last question in. Uh, potentially a broad last question. I was wondering if either one or either of you had thoughts on or would share your experience, history with classic film growing up. Just more general, how that shaped you, affected you. Now okay, let's well, have Dana a broad will be talking. <laughs> I was going to say, so that question's intended for me. Um, <laughs> no, I, uh, I, I, I'm, I will defer to Dana because, like Bobcat having uh, uh, a tattoo of Edward on his bicep, we call him Buffcat. So I don't know why you didn't say by, by, 
bicep. But uh, I my my experience with class of film was definitely more limited than than Dan. I mean, I can't you know I can I can talk about uh, iconic movies, but I feel like I if I answer first, then Dana will be like, okay, now let's go to town. <laughs> um, so well, I'll, Janet's I'll, I'll let you answer, Dana. Janet's, Janet's very young, so she, yes, I love a good classic movie like Caddyshack. You know. <laughs> I, well, I saw Young Frankenstein before color had been invented. So that classic film, I mean, it is a classic. Let's it not lie to ourselves. But <laughs> um, yeah, well, uh, I, you know, to me, it, they, it was more important than, than, I mean, it was, I have to be like biographical. I'm the, the fifth kid of a six kid family. And I was very much the runt of the litter. It became, you know, I was one of those kids. I, I read a lot. I watched a lot of movies. I lost, you know, um, wasn't a big athlete. And, uh, and so to me, it's, 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 uh, it's second, it's second nature. It's, it's just sort of the language that I speak. And, and there's a, and, and, and I find that that, that kid goes three places you know that guy um who's grows up watching those things goes into comedy and is me or bobcat or tom kinney um goes into special effects makeup and becomes greg nicotero or uh, any of any of Rick Baker, or goes into heavy metal and becomes Brian Posehn. I was about to say. Kirk I was Hammett. about to say Posehn. <laughs> yeah. 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 Or Kirk Hammett. Or I mean, Brian's a comedian, but he's he's a grandpa metal. Um, but but the, the, those are the three things. They become cool and become musicians, or they stay dorky and go into comedy or special <laughs> effects. Um, and uh, uh, it, it's really. Uh, it's really fascinating. It's, it's very, very, very rare. You meet somebody that was into that stuff that's not in one of those three fields. This was great. Thank you so much, everyone, for joining. Um, to all the reporters, I will have an audio uh, recording of this available for you in just a couple of hours. So thank you, everyone. Thanks, um, everybody. And we look forward to seeing your stories. Thanks yeah, thank you so much. Love your Twitter, Dana. I want to read it oh, every day. Oh, thank you very much. Oh, thank you. Thank you very much. You guys were wonderful. Thank, thank you. you. I appreciate it. I appreciate it a lot. Yeah. Thank you. Bye, everyone.